We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. Join with you on Mondays. It's every Monday. It's Mondays with James McCool. Mondays with McCool. Pay dirt underscore DFS. Uh, the co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15-hour audio masterclass. You can pick up a theoryofdfs.com. So James. Uh, NBA has gotten to the point. Can we trust the coaches anymore now? I mean, now it's like the injury report. We can't trust. Now we can't trust the coach. I mean, we can never trust the coaches. Uh, uh, I see everyone in chat. I don't know if people like Rashawn Holmes is doubtful. He's not, he's, there's no chance he's playing. And then he's playing. And then it's like, okay, well, th- th- thank you for it being the late game. And then now, now I got to switch everything around. So, uh, I know we've mentioned multiple times that like this NBA season, NBA DFS is normally like chaos to some extent, but not to necessarily this extent. Uh, yesterday, were, because the Kings game was the late game, were you planning around situations where Barnes would be out or Barnes would be in or Holmes would be out or Holmes would be in in those types of situations or... Or are, are you more inclined to, like, I know we say to expect the unexpected, at least like the reasonable unexpecteds, but at some point, like when it's like the last game on the slate, at what point do you just say, like, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, screw Luke Walton. I don't care what he, what he says. Well, one, uh, the Sean Holmes situation was super screwy yesterday because he went from questionable earlier to doubtful that like more close to doubtful and then he's going to play and it's like you how do you downgrade somebody and then upgrade them all the way up to playing it's just it's one thing when you can't trust the coaches it's another thing when the coaches just straight up lie and that's that's the part that's the most frustrating is these coaches just straight up lying and like this yeah, are they are they lying though because i think doc rivers I doc rivers is lying no They're, doc rivers i think doesn't know what's going on Okay, so Doc Rivers is an idiot or lying, and either right, well, I think one. We're like an idiot. We had that slate where he was like, "I, I don't." And beats <laughs> the injury report, they, and he's questionable. And Doc Rivers in the press conference before the game, 
Like at five thirty or whatever. Like I don't, I don't know I why don't he know would know be if there's anything. I never know there was anything wrong with Embiid. Like I don't even know why you're asking the question. And then like three minutes before lock, he's out. Guys, moron. <laughs> like what? <laughs> and, and then the Steph Curry situation the other day, where it was just like out of nowhere, they, they were just like, oh yeah, he just doesn't want to play today. <laughs> like after lock, it's it's so dumb. Uh, but regarding that, I think that there's a couple things that I take into effect. I, I mean, yesterday I cared a little bit about the Rashawn Holmes situation. I was pretty conservative on the white side projection, but like if he plays, obviously white side is not going to play hardly anything at all. And if he doesn't, then white side plays maybe 20 minutes. Um, so I don't really care. Bielitsa. I mean, well, and then, yeah, there's, well. there's Bielitsa and then there's Bagley. Like there, there are the other guys, but. And then Bagley is Bagley's on a minutes limit. And then. And then plays 31 minutes. minutes limit yeah. is 48. So yeah, like, for okay. sure. <laughs> it's, it's so asinine. Um, but I, I didn't care so much about the Rashawn, Rashawn Holmes situation. I cared a little bit more about the Harrison Barnes situation. Cause I did like Darren Fox. Um, but I, I think that another circumstance that I care a little bit about is how many games are on a slate. Last night, there were enough ga- enough games on the slate that I didn't really have to care that much about the Rashawn Holmes situation because he's been out and because those those forwards and the centers are kind of like priced appropriately for where they should be, even if he is out. I didn't have to care that much about it. Um, if it were like a four-game slate, then I have to pay a lot more attention to it because that's one entire situation. That's a quarter of the slate that can be minimally to drastically affected by a player either being in or out, or if Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes are both out, then we have a real situation where we have to worry about it. So I think that game, the amount of games on a slate that certainly has uh, a decent piece of the pie for me and caring about situations like that. But for the most part, like I wasn't, I wasn't caring so much about my player pool in regards to that game last night specifically. Right. Milo Kaminsky in the chat says, Luke Walton has lied his entire career. He and other dumb coaches think manipulating the injury report is an advantage. How could it, can it be an advantage? I don't understand. I, I just don't understand. Like it's, oh, our game plan for this, like you're playing basketball. Like what, like what does it, what does it matter? Oh, we, we, we went to shoot around and thought I, I, they think, I guess that's the point that Milo's saying is that, they think that they're being sneaky when it probably has no effect whatsoever. No, unless it's like a massive, massive downgrade. I mean, if, if we're talking, if they're keeping like three guys that they're like, oh, they're they're definitely not going to play, but I'm going to put them questionable. If we're talking something like that, then maybe, or no, if they're three questionable and they are definitely going to play and the coach is like, oh, well, you know, he's really ailing. Like Anthony Davis and LeBron James, both really ailing. Um, and the other team is like, well, maybe they're not going to have them. I, I don't know. Well, how did they I, I change anything? It. Like, but what, what do they change? Oh, AD and LeBron aren't playing. So that means what? Like, what? Then what do we do? Right. Other than play our starters as normal and just <laughs> obviously don't have to play against worse players. Like, well, maybe if the, if it's like a size advantage or something like that. I'm just trying to find Get something. the starting lineup. Who cares? I'm just trying like, to find like, something, anything. Like. I don't right, know. 15 minutes before tip-off or whatever. You get, I mean, it's not like you don't get the starting line. Oh, I see that this guy, oh, this is our starting five. And what's the worst case scenario? You take a timeout, the right. 15 seconds in, you replace a guy. I mean, really? No, you I know. Look. I'm just, I'm trying to find something. But yesterday we didn't get lied to with the uh, uh, DSJ. Everyone played DSJ yesterday. I was starting for the Pistons. Like the coach literally said, we're going to start out with them, but it's going to be a committee. We'll see how it goes. And you know what happens when you play Dennis Jr. chalk, right? He couldn't even be the fourth point guard for the New York Knicks. So what do you expect out of the guy? Like, no, no, no. And Damon every- Lee comes in and he just, oh, I'm just going to play the entire half after DSJ has one point. But, but Jr. At, least that, at least then, James, if you looked at what the coach said, the coach didn't lie. He said he's yeah. starting, but it's, it's, it's a hot hand. It's just like, yeah. uh, you know, an NFL, kind of like, just because you see Ronald Jones out there for the first drive doesn't mean that Leonard Fournette's not going to get most of the carries the rest of the game. It's just, who cares who's starting? Just that I'm starting with this guy, and if he happens to do well, I guess we continue. If not, then you see you see some other guys. Well, it brings up this point that I've been trying to make about when these backups come into a starting role. It's like, dude, they're backups for a reason. And Dennis Smith Jr. is a real – like, Dennis Smith Jr., he has like, a name though. We, when he was on the Mavericks, he was like he was an up and coming. Like, oh, this 
this guy's a flashy guy when they yeah. didn't realize that he really can't play basketball. For sure. So Dennis Smith Jr. is like the most athletic guy at your local gym. Like for sure, he is way better than most of the dudes that are like on the court. And like he does cool stuff and he gets flashy steals and like, but his teams never win. And then like, it's, it's just this whole thing where everybody's like, yeah, man, I want to take Dennis Smith Jr. And like, you really, you're just going to lose. Dennis Smith Jr. went into 80% chalk last night in the $100, 80% chalk after scoring zero real life points the night before and having his, basically his ceiling of 25 fantasy points because of six blocks and steals and then was 80% chalk. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Just, just don't do Dennis Smith Jr., man. It's it was only 4,000. What's wrong with that? There were other people that were 4,000 that you could Yeah, and I rostered them, and they did bad also. So, I mean, well, Patrick Beverly did slightly better. Oh, slightly okay. better. It could have been the difference. McDaniels didn't. Why did I no, play that guy? Neither did Corey Joseph. And I played Corey Joseph as well, and he got like five fantasy points. Did any 4K guy other than like Jeffries do well at all? No, not really. <laughs> like did it didn't really matter the the game last night was to play mid-range and i thought that the, the the game last night was to play mid-range and i liked a lot of the mid-range guys and then i had the floor games for my mid-range guys and the ceiling games from the other mid-range guys and that's what you get when you play mid-range yeah i, I did the up and down and that didn't work no nothing worked last i, I don't think anybody actually made money last night nobody no I, I was one i i look at my scores and i go who, who did score well? <laughs> like, I'm like, I lost. Yes, yes. I lost on all three sites, but I'm like, like, but I'm looking at other lineups and they have four snowflakes too. And I'm like, like, how did anyone win? Yes, apparently yeah. people did win, but it wasn't me. It wasn't yeah. anyone else that I know, or I don't know what lineups you had to put together to get them because it seemed like everything had a snowflake in it. It's one of those slates where, like, I think it was shit my money on Twitter. He, he tweeted, he's like, people are the people who look at results DB and try to take results from this slate are just going to be t- terrible for two weeks because right. like nothing good worked yesterday. Right. Well, you had to play guys that were like third off the bench and, and managed to get blowout run. Like, those, like, you look at the winning lineups and go, how do you come up with that? I, I yeah. mean, I was a 0.4% on this and a 0.4% on that. And then you jam in three guys from one team, and it's like, like okay. I, Congratulations I so. on your bank. Right. Those are just the slates that you lose. It's just like, okay, I'm, not, I'm never going to make a lineup that's going to do well in that case. Yeah. Uh, but talking about player pools, uh, we had a conversation in uh, the Roto-Grinders Discord, which is premium. So I'm in there all the time. Maybe not over the past weekend, but I'm, I'm in there usually. So I sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium with the link in the description. You get $10 off your first month. And I'm always in there answering questions, talking to that thrown out news, right? You know, oh, that, you know, just like with uh, Dennis Smith Jr., kind of like, oh, it's supposed to be a committee. Uh, but there was a discussion there over the weekend about player pools. Like, if you're going to multi enter, I'm not talking about if you're going to make one lineup or anything. I'm talking 20 lineups, 50 lineups, something like that, 100 plus lineups of the value of curating a player pool that you want to make your lineups out of or leaving the pool as is and letting like serendipity happen where you have the numbers. I always preach the the value of projections, right? I mean, right now I'm going to refresh. I mean, we have like the algorithmic projections, I believe 442 AM. Yeah. So no manual adjustments. So this doesn't mean all that much yet. Uh, but like if I go down to a like a guy, if I go down to Gary Trent Jr. and he's 36 minutes, 26 fantasy point median, right? 13 to 39 range, but it's 16% smash, minus five RGV. Like this is typically not 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 someone I'm targeting, but could he and could he possibly end up in a, in the 98th out of a hundredth lineup? Possibly. It's po- I mean it's possible that he still fits, even projected so low. Uh, me personally, I curate a player pool, but it's typically a decent enough. Like I'm, I'm building the player pool from the higher projected guys, what positions I need. And if there are lower projected guys, I want to see like high ceiling potential, high smash. Like they may have a, if I look down here, 
So for instance, like Jalen Brunson, I'm just, I'm just pulling one out. The RGV plus minus salary adjusted is minus three. Garrett Temple, minus 3.6. Yeah, why don't I just mention Garrett Temple? He's someone I won 100,000 with. Why not? I have an affinity to playing Garrett Temple. But he doesn't project well. But I mean, is shooting guard going to be a weak position today? Maybe. He has a 22% smash. So I mean, like Jimmy Butler, on the other hand, projects well for his price at 9,200. But obviously, I'm going to still need like a 4K, 5K player at 22%, you know, at a a little over a fifth of the time, almost a quarter of the time, Garrett Temple's going to put up a, a, you know, a 30 point score or so. So he technically doesn't project well, but I could include that type of player in my player pool. Are you more, in comparison, are you more of the, I just leave everyone in my pool and kind of whatever happens, happens. Obviously you're going to be changing exposures. You're going to look, I mean, you're going to, you're going to be looking for good lineups. But do you, unlike me, like me, I start from excluding everyone and then bringing back like all the, all the players that I want in. So instead of having 200 in my pool, I may have 38. And it's like, whatever could make be made out of those 38, I'm, I'm fine with. And if I miss out on someone that could still fit in and it's still a good projected uh, lower own lineup, like I'm just missing out on that. Like I'm, I'm making the decision that this is my pool and that's it. Because there was an argument in the Discord that by doing that, you're you're limiting your ability to get outlier type lineups. And it, it's almost it goes it goes to the fact that I don't like players, right? Because technically, if I'm just excluding everyone and bringing 38 guys back in, like those are the 38 guys I like, quote unquote. That should, should I not be doing that? And, or, and should I just be leaving everything in and just whatever happens, happens? The, the, my, my only concession is the 38 guys or whatever that I'm bringing back are most likely the 38 guys that are going to be in the lineups even if I left everyone in the player pool. Because I'm bringing back high projected, lower owned, smash guys that the likelihood of, of, uh, of, Gar- of uh, Gary Trent at 6K being in the lineup that I'm building is probably zero almost zero anyway so not having him in at all what does it what does it make a difference so so what what, how do you deal with that it seems like you're the type of person that screw the player pool it is what it is no actually i I do like to hear a man um but i will i will do runs first with the entire player pool in so that i can just kind of see who is coming into the lineups um and then i'll start kind of shaving off I, i i have in my projections over at Pater, I have a lineup HQ export, which utilizes the XVAL factor as the exposure cap for players. So automatically there, like I, I'm going to be mostly exposed to guys that project well for me and, and have high um, GPP score thresholds. So high smash scores. Um, and, and you kind of nailed it of saying like, it doesn't really matter if I curate my pool or not. Like I'm probably going to get the guys that project well anyway. Um, curating the pool is really just a way to remove those guys that I really don't want. Like I, if I was hand building a lineup, I wouldn't end up with Gary Trent. If I was hand building a lineup, like I'm not going to end up with, uh, with Malik Monk today. Like as of now, he has like a 14% chance to be a top overall score, but he's projected for 16 fancy points. Like, right. But isn't there a line? Aren't there days where Malik Monk puts up 35 and you've now, even though he's 14, he's 14, he's not zero. Right. Isn't there, isn't there, there is a lineup that exists that fits your parameters that Malik Monk would be in. And you're choosing to exclude that. The argument against the player that curating your player pool is that, you're, you're now putting in your own bias into it. Well, where, I'm not. I'm not yeah, but how are you not? How are you not by saying, I, well, I, I can't play Malik Monk? Well, because specifically, you're right. He is going to be there around 15% of the time in my models. And that's cool. Like 15% of the time is not the worst. Um, on a slate where there is very minimal value, maybe he ends up there just simply because I can't build lineups without somebody who's $4,700. But at 15% of the time, 
Uh, that's a pretty low percent of the time compared to other value plays that are on the slate. I mean, just as of now, Desmond Bain at 3,900 on DraftKings has a 28% chance to get there. Uh, Mike Muscala, 38, has a 30% chance to get there. Anthony Simmons, 3,700, has a 23%. So it's not that I am including a bias and saying, oh, well, I think that, um, I think that Malik Monk is not good and is not going to get there. I'm just listening to what the numbers say, and I'm giving myself the best chance by the numbers, the best percentile chance in my lineups to end up having a GPP winning score. It's not a bias. It's just building lineups based off of the best percentages. And if right, it does... Well, well, James, most likely in your, in your scenario, that with Malik Monk at 4,700, it's very unlikely that even if you build 100 lineups that you even get him at all, and if you're not going to get him in your first hundred lineups and you're only playing 50, like why, why even have him in the, why even, even have him there? Right. Okay. I mean, like it, it, it really, it really comes down to what you said in the beginning. So for instance, I'm going to go right now, I'm going to go to build rules and I'm going to build a hundred lineups. Number of unique players, one, just whatever, just default. Like anyone that comes to me, I'm building a hundred lineups now. Default projections on as of 4.42 a.m., whatever. Anyone that comes up even once, to me, should be in your player pool, right? Would you agree? Like, if it, if it would be in the top 100 optimal lineups? Uh, yes. To some extent, right? Pretty pretty close, yeah. I, I mean, there's going to be those fringe guys. I, I think that eventually what, what I'll do, like, after I have run that first run of just, like, a raw baseline, like – whatever run is I'll then go in and I'll usually look at the guys who show up the least and I'll say, okay, well, is this player, does this player actually have a ceiling? Like, can they actually get there a relative amount of the time? Um, and if not, like if they have a very, a very skinny range of outcomes where like it's a three K player that is projected for 13 fantasy points and he has a ceiling of 19. I don't really care about that guy. I'll kick him out. Even if he projects. Okay. I'll kick him out. But it, for the most part, like 90% of those guys are going to stay. I got 57% PJ Tucker. Do you like that? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never? That's 3,500. He is 3,500. What do I, man? Uh, we have him in our initial, very, very early initial, we have him at an 18.67 medium. Seems generous for PJ Tucker. <laughs> Seems generous for PJ Tucker. Uh, I would probably, no, I don't, I don't want 57% of him. Maybe I want like, Oh, but he would be in your pool. I, I don't, we don't care about percentages it. now. He'd it's be, more of the fact the of like, uh, like I have, like, I go down here and I see THT 2%, Robin Lopez, 2%, Derek Favors, 5%, Jalen Brunson, 8%, Wesley Matthews, 14%, Tim, Tim Hardaway Jr., 26%, Royce O'Neal, Theo Maladon, Sterling Brown, like these aren't names that I like the roster, but of course it's a six game slate. We don't have really much value opening up yet, uh, which you never know what could happen. The point is, is not the percentages. The point is, is that like, I'm not, why can't I have Jay Crowder in my pool? The Taylor Porter Th Tucker, like if they come up in the top hundred optimals based on your projections, like that, I think the argument, the middle ground of that argument of curating the player pool versus not, is you probably you should look at this and go, I don't, I probably would have never picked Jalen Brunson, but if he shows up in eight percent of the top hundred, I should probably include him in my plate. I may build fifty lineups, and he may not end up in any of them, but he should. Right, he might be in that tail end. Right, yeah. but he should at least be in my pool. I think that I think that's I think that's the key. I think people. People concern themselves way too much. Like we, like in the chat right now, uh, someone's asking about what's the size of your player pool. Like the size doesn't the the size doesn't matter. That's what my wife said. The size doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just the it's the motion of the ocean or whatever 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 that whatever that phrase is. But it doesn't. It really depends on how much diversification mm -hmm. you want. If you don't if 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 you don't mind playing forty percent. You don't mind playing fifty percent PJ Tucker, then that's then you could have eighteen people and eighteen guys in your pool, right? Especially at the weaker positions. But if you're like, I don't want to risk my entire slate on PJ Tucker, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to find some different lines that don't contain him 
and I may need to increase my player pool to do so. So to me, the size is really a byproduct more of the diversification than on like what strategically, what strategically matters. Like you could look, like we could look on this like currently, like from a payup option. And we have Luca, we have Lillard, LeBron, Westbrook. They're all point guard eligible. Obviously LeBron has small forward eligibility. We have Beal and Levine at shooting guard. Like if you wanted to say, based on our current projections, like the least, the worst projected out of the 10K players is Westbrook. I don't know what his ownership's going to be. We don't have ownership or anything. The best out of this bunch for their price is LeBron. But if you said, I want to build 20 lineups and fade LeBron completely, I that's perfectly fine. Like if that, now you're making a strategic choice. You're not making a choice based on like the projections. Like if LeBron ends up being 35, 40% owned this slate, and you say, I want my leverage spot to be LeBron in all of my lineups. And then go, you don't even have to play Luke or Lillard. I mean, it's just a matter of like what you want to do strategically. But to me, I don't consider that to be a player pool thing. Like I'm not, I'm, I may not X out LeBron. If I'm building a hundred lineups and I'm like, I'm going to go under on LeBron. I'm going to build more non-LeBron lineups. I still leave him in the pool, but maybe I cap him at 10%. So I'm only playing that few amount of LeBron lineups, but it's not the type of thing where I'm just Xing guys out left and right and going, I don't want to play Levine, but that also doesn't mean that he's going to end up in any of my lineups, but he's still going to be in my player pool. There may not be a lineup with Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook in my 50 lineups that I'm making, not because I don't like them, not because I'd X them or whatever. They're in my pool. It's just that, Compared to other people's projections, they don't they don't end up fitting in lineups. I probably wouldn't have much Donovan Mitchell at eighty seven hundred on this slate. Now, if I build sixty lineups, maybe he does end up in two, maybe, but maybe he doesn't. So even even having a player pool, like if you let's say you have a player, I have a player pool of sixty. That doesn't mean you have to use all sixty players. Like that's just like here's here's the here's the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. And maybe you're condensing it so it's easier on you. It's easier to make groups if you want to make groups. So unless, like in this 100 lineup build that I built, like I will go through, like I've shown this. I have a premium video, uh, if, if you're a premium member. And I show this all the time. What I do is like I go in, I'll exclude all, and then I'll go team by team. And who do I want to play? I'm using the term want, but it's really... Who's the higher projected player? So I'll sort by like smash percentage and go, okay, here's two, uh, here's Wendell Carter Jr. for the Bulls, right? Wendell Carter, Zach Levine, Garrett Temple. And you're like, well, why not Kobe White? It's like, I'll come back to it. If I need another point guard shooting guard, maybe I do include him in. Or maybe I say, okay, I don't mind. I may not even use any of them. But then I don't have Thad Young, Patrick Williams, Denzel Valentine, because these guys project like awful. Like these are just all like they're unlikely to ever appear in any lineups at their prices. Then I look on Houston and with Oladipo out and who knows what's going on with the, with Boogie Cousins. And it's like, okay, Wall projects well, Gordon projects well. Uh, Jay Sean Tate doesn't project as well, but he has a high smash. And then it's like, oh, PJ Tucker, Daniel House. I, I, and then maybe I look at this and I don't include those guys. I don't have House. I don't have Tucker. I don't have Sterling Brown. Maybe by the time I get through all the teams, I, f- I find out that like, I, I, I don't have enough power forwards, right? Or I can't make, I, I'm making very similar lineups over and over again because I don't have enough like cheap guys. And it's like, you know, what would solve this? The fact that I don't have many power forwards and I don't have enough cheap guys. Damn it, I got to play some PJ Tucker. And that's, and that's where, the 57% of the PJ Tucker comes from because it's a lineup construction thing where like who else, if if you're not playing PJ Tucker, you're playing a powerful, cheaper, powerful eligible player that projects worse than PJ Tucker. And you know how bad that player has to be to project worse than PJ Tucker, right? So you want that. So uh, I know you may not have this exact process like what I'm doing on your end, but I think, 
I think it it feels like the 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 discussion and the argument between curating a player pool, don't curating a player pool, how many players you have in the pool, all they all end up in this. If you're if you're thinking conceptually the same way, like we're all we're I still think we're all doing the same thing. Yeah, I I would I I think that you have a good enough grasp of building lineups and a good enough grasp of your own process that you don't have to curate a pool because you can look at lineups and say I would have built this by hand. I would argue that some people who are not as versed in building lineups and don't necessarily know how to play an optimizer as well as you do, curating a pool would probably be good for them. Yeah, you know how to play this like is me, a This is me playing an optimizer. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Well, I mean, you play it really well and then people throw money at you. So um, right. I, I, I put my that, little my little guitar case out and for some reason people give me, I don't know. Yeah. Take my head I, I think that, There is. I think that people who do not quite understand how to use optimizers as well, it can help them to curate their pool down and try to look at things a little bit more um, in a micro view, like solidify things and and take things down a little bit so they can then look at things and say, okay, yeah, I would use Zach Levine in a hand-built lineup. I would use Lamella Ball in a hand-built lineup and, and think of things that way so that you can have kind of like a like some training wheels into building quote unquote hand built lineups with the optimizer. What what do you think about that? No, I, I think that I think that's perfectly I, I always suggest people hand build 20 lineups and then goes an optimizer to build those 20. Mm. Like try to whatever you need to do to get those exact 20 lineups, you may not get it exactly, but that's that's how you should be thinking of using a tool like lineup HQ. But but when you say that I'm used to an optimizer, but it's more about visualizing lineup construction. So I could look, I could look at a player pool and know that like Donovan Mitchell, I'm probably not going to have much of, or Lamelo ball, like PG is loaded, like on high end options. So yeah, I mean, you could like, I'm more likely, like if you take a look here, I'm just looking at the figures. So in this AK range, for instance, especially at the guard spots. So in this, we got Mitchell ball, SGA, Booker, Rogier, Wall, Paul, right? John Morant. Look how many point guards there are on this slate. It's ridiculous. But like LaMelo Ball is, is a 41 point median. Like, dude, John Wall is 45 for like 600 less based on our current projections. So it's very unlikely that I'm going to be getting a lot of LaMelo Ball when I have Wall available to me. I'm very unlikely to get Rogier when he projects eight points lower than Wall for a hundred dollars more. Paul projects better, even John Morant projects better. So it's like it's very unlikely they'll have any Terry Rogier at all, right? But I could also tell just by just by the RGB in the smash, just like I could tell that I'll have I'll have more SGA, SGA projects better than Lamelo, than Donovan, than Devin Booker, than Rogier. Not better than Wall. So I'm more likely to have SGA builds, wall builds, if I go mid-range. If I don't go mid-range, I'm more likely to have like LeBron in the point guard spot. I don't know if there are cheap point guards on the slate. So I'll go to like point guard and see if I go by RGV or go by smash. Like Eric Gordon, I guess, 6,300. That's not exactly cheap. Then we get to like Jalen Brunson, who has the, the volatility of that could be anything. So this seems like a slate to me based on these projections where you will be paying up at point guard. Okay. But then you look, take a look at the power forward spot and like literally no one eligible at power forward has a positive plus minus salary adjusted value. No one, not a single person in the player pool, right? Smash percentage. We go here. Jay Sean Tate at 5,900. Do you really want to do that? Like you take a look at this and you go, why aren't I just playing PJ Tucker? I mean, like that's, that's the reason you look at this and you go, no one projects. Well, any of these guys are like, anyone is fine. Is it worth paying up 8,500 for Porzingis? Well, not when there's no point guard value. So you're going to have a building. Those types of lineups are going to give you much lower medians. I mean, you could do it. I mean, it'll be a leveraged lineup, but this is what I mean by going through. I could tell that if everything projected wise stays on this slate, 
I'm going to have to have like Carmelo Anthony. I'm going to have to have some Bojan Bogdanovic, Isaiah Roby. And I think he'll be a little bit popular if Horford sits on a back-to-back. But you could visualize that. Like I could tell that I'm not paying up a power forward. I could tell at small forward. I mean, look at, look at small forward. The only two positive plus minus players are LeBron and Butler. Then everyone else is garbage. And it's like, who cares? So that's where Daniel House comes in. That's where Tim Hardaway Jr. and Royce O'Neal come in, right? Because if no one projects well, it's more likely that I'm just going to use a cheap guy in that spot. And if you flip the build, it's going to be very hard to find cheap points. The problem is that it's going to be hard to find cheaper values at the guard spots today. I mean, as of right now, obviously it's 1134 in the morning. These projections could change. If you're listening later, maybe there's tons of guard value by the time you listen to this. But as of right now, there isn't. So all these good projected players are in the guard spots. So I'm more likely to pay up there. But using that assessment, I could see what the lineup constructions are going to be. So I don't, I, when I cur- uh, curate my player pool, I already have the, all that. In, I, I'm not surprised right? When I build the hundred lineups and see 57% PJ Tucker and go like, well, I guess that's what I got. You got to do what you got to do, right? Maybe I'll play some Daniel House. So I think I I always say visualize lineup constructions. And this is what I mean. And once you could visualize like the chalk construction, where are more people than what's higher, what are higher projected lineups going to look like? Then you're able to go, okay, well, if I don't do this and I switch my salary allocation, cheap guard, high-priced power forward, what would what lineup would that look like? And does that lineup have a high enough projection? And does it have enough leverage? And then maybe you could play some of them. Maybe. You include them in your pool. Maybe I do have Porzingis in my pool. Maybe I do end up with two, a one or two lineups. Maybe I end up, maybe I don't. Maybe he's in my pool and he never gets into a lineup. So I think like when you curate the player pool, you're doing so with lineup construction in mind already. You're not doing it from, I like this guy and I like that guy. Or this guy's, I can't, I'm never going to play Bam Adebayo ever again. I don't care what he's projected. You know, that that type of thing. You're not, you're not doing that. You're just going by the numbers. You're a mute. You're right. My cat was yelling. Um, yeah, there's, there's that no, was agreeing like, with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was. She was agreeing with you. Um, that that's all it really comes down to is you're you're just looking to maximize your chances of doing well. It's not about selecting players based off of personal biases or based off of anchoring or like never playing Bam in a bio and never playing PJ Tucker. Like you play what you need to play. Um, on this slate specifically, like when I go over and I look at the way that the distributions are in terms of players that could possibly be top ten overall on the slate uh it's basically all point guard like it's a lot of point guard it is some shooting guard it is no power forward so like i already know just based on looking at that that i'm gonna be playing a lot of point guards that are expensive just because like that's where that's where players are actually gonna do well um i know that i can kind of punt power forward i know that i can kind of punt small forward like i'm gonna be paying up a lot of the guards um but looking at things that way and saying, okay, I know that I'm going to have to have somebody cheap at power forward. I know that I'm going to have to have somebody cheap at, at small forward, probably these forward spots. I'm going to have to punt these. That's where you're really going into your player pool and, and trying to make some informed decisions based off of the rush construction that you're going to need to have. Um, for me, I also like to kind of look at how over undervalued players are. Like it's really hard to do early for me in, in the morning. I can kind of assess like where players are valuable. I can assess where players are projecting well, but I, I don't usually like to build until I know some sort of idea of ownership projections because I like to take leverage into account. So it, like at that point, if I know that I need to punt power forward, um, but PJ Tucker is like 55% owned or something like that, I, I'm probably not going to play PJ Tucker. Like I'm, I, I know that power forward sucks, And I know that there's a lot of variance on these cheap guys and especially on PJ Tucker who can literally go 30 minutes without taking a shot. Um, I like to take a reporting a stat, not even not taking a shot, not even getting a rebound. He can do a Tony Snell game, man. Like full on, he can do a Tony Snell game. So 
if I know that he's going to be really, really high owned, but I also know that roster construction is going to kind of necessitate me to punt that position. I'm going to need to be adding in some pretty scary forwards because I already know that the super chalk is super volatile. So I might as well have these lower owned guys that are also super volatile that give me a better chance at securing more relative value in my lineups while still sticking to an optimal roster construction. Because that's something that I I think is undervalued is one thing that I like to tell people is go and try to look at the optimals, look at what the optimal construction is and just find the guys that are you know, the most volatile and try to pivot from there. You don't really have to think all that hard when you're playing NBA DFS because so much of it is projection and, and optimal based that you can make these really small pivots while sticking to an optimal rush construction and find a lot of success. Right. I mean, like with PJ Tucker, like if you, if you're like, oh, instead of PJ Tucker, I'm going to play uh, Wesley Matthews in a small forward spot. Like, well, Wesley Matthews could easily put up no points also. So if PJ Tucker is 40% owned and Wesley Matthews 3% owned, let's go take this. I mean, what's the worst? What's the worst thing that happens? PJ Tucker, what? He has a 40 point game. When, when does that happen? I mean, I, obviously it'll probably happen tonight. But if PJ right. Tucker talking, Tucker chalk night. Uh, you're, and you're like, Oh, there's no way I'm going to play that guy. And then he goes, and then it's one of those, you know, eight corner threes and 10 rebounds for no apparent reason. Yeah, well, I mean, we we have this fortune of getting not only Dennis Smith Jr. chalk night, but then followed by P.J. Tucker chalk night, and that's incredible. So, yeah, I, I mean, just looking at, at my stuff, I, you have P.J. Tucker at 3,500, or you have Cameron Johnson at 3,500, and I, I don't know, like, they both probably have similar ranges of outcomes for that price, but Cameron Johnson will be 2% owned, and P.J. Tucker will be 40% owned. So, Well, as of now, I mean, if we had the slate now, Sure. Sure. As of now, like just looking at things the way that they are sitting now. um, I don't know if I have one lineup, I probably don't play PJ Tucker. If I have a whole bunch of lineups, I probably have some PJ Tucker, but I would like to have some leverage off of him and some pivots off of him as well. So I would be adding in my player pool. If I were, if we were to use the the exposures that you got with your first run of 100 and you got 57% PJ Tucker, I would be looking at that and just like rapid firing in some other 3,500 power forward so that I can, I can drop that down a little bit. I don't want 57% of any of the 3,500 forwards. So give me a larger portfolio so I can just diversify at that position so that I can decrease the amount of volatility that I have, but still make good competitive lineups. Right. Or you could choose the opposite. I mean, it, that, like I said, what you're discussing is a matter of diversification. Mm-hmm. PJ Tucker will project the best median wise. So you could decide instead of, instead of taking on the, like uh, distributing your volatility, you would just embrace it and go, I'm just going to lock in PJ Tucker. And just be a masochist about it. Just hate right. it. Just, just by, you don't mind cutting yourself at this point. <laughs> he, has, he has two games that are t- seven X's the entire season. I was shocked. There's one game of 34. <laughs> And one game of 30. They came off, of, it's not even like steals and blocks games. Five, five assists? How did he get five assists? I'm five s- for seven from three. Like all of his shots are always like, these are corner threes, right? You know what's happening tonight. He's going right. for 35 tonight. And it's going to suck. His cousin's playing tonight. What's going on? He's getting traded yet. They say I think, that he's I think he's out. I think I saw somebody say that he's out. Okay. And the Rockets don't even care about playing a center. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, I what they they have played Jay Sean Tate. They've played, oh, man, this slate is gonna be brutal. Um, yeah, so I, I there, there's no Boogie Cousins, so I like PJ Tucker is gonna skyrocket up in ownership. He's gonna be seventy five percent in the six hundred. Uh, it's gonna be terrible. <laughs> C. Carter NYC in chat says Tucker could be the only one playing for Houston, and I would still not be interested because <laughs> he'd still have no usage. He'd be the only one on the court. And still not be able to create his own yeah. shot. He would play 48 minutes and play great defense, though. Right. Great defense. Right. He'd be the only one on the court. He'd he'd give that he'd cover all everyone on the everyone on the court five on one. No problem. But on offense, all he does is take the ball to the corner and just stand there. The Rockets would probably cover the spread if he was the only one playing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you got any questions in the YouTube chat, feel free, type them in. Hit that thumbs up button. You know, I got I got the apple juice. Still got some apple juice left over here. 
Keep those thummy thumbs going for the apple juice. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We'll have a, we'll have a Grinders Live tonight at 6.30. It's an 8 o'clock slate tonight. And then, uh, then crunch time for premium members at 7.30. So subscribe to YouTube. Sign up for uh, Roto Grinders Premium. Hit the link in the description to get $10 off your first month. Uh, let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Someone's asking, why did so many pl top players fade Jokic last night? I didn't and paid the price. Jokic, projected, uh, Jokic was owned last night. It's 36%. Right. Let's see. I don't know. I'll go and look at backlogs really quick. I, I don't think that I was necessarily super high on him. I liked Joel Embiid a lot more. I liked Giannis more. I liked Harden more. I had... I had Jokic projected, man, badly, I guess. No, it couldn't have been that bad. How was he? It's not like there Jokic he... was 10% owned. Jokic was in plenty of lineups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was in plenty of lineups. I didn't project 52. Um, he had 23% projected ownership. They're, they're just like when you looked at the slate yesterday, I think that paying for Jokic – was kind of, I mean, like I said, I, I had a different roster construction. I had mid-range yesterday, so I, I didn't. Well, I mean, Jar Jared Allen got the center spot. I mean, on DraftKings, when you have only center el only eligible players, they can only fit in two spots. Mm -hmm. and if you're gonna play, Yon if you're gonna play Jared Allen and Giannis, like you're not gonna play. You, you probably don't have Jokic in that lineup. Yeah, yeah. Like, or to me, that Allen. that's that's the reason. Or like maybe people were paying down. Javale McGee, thirty eight hundred. I don't know, but like I, the the fact of the matter is that he was thirty seven percent owned in hundred. So it's it's not like a whole bunch of people faded him at that point. I think that he was probably appropriately owned, right? Right. No, I, that's why I said it. Like, why why did so many people not have Jokic? I'm like, who didn't have Jokic? I so plenty of people with Jokic. What did uh, what did you think about Fred VanVleet versus Norman Powell yesterday? What do I, what, what, what am I supposed to think? I didn't, I mean, on DraftKings, I wasn't a big fan of the, the, the Raptors prices as it was. Sure. On, on FanDuel, that's a different story. FanDuel, they, 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 someone goes to sleep before they raise prices. Oh, yeah. Norm Powell way underpriced on FanDuel yesterday. Right. But, uh, but on DraftKings, they priced everyone for Lowry to be out and that they were, Fred Van Vliet was what, like 8,700 and Siakam was 8,900. They were in the high 8,000s and Norman Powell was like 6,900 or something. I'm like, I think they're efficiently priced. Yeah, any of them could go off, I guess. Sure. But I mean, they priced they priced those guys as if Lowry was out because Lowry was out. Vandal yeah. didn't. So, like to me, yesterday I wasn't interested in the Raptors at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I I really liked Norman Powell. He had he had a four game. I can't control for that, but pretty pretty annoying little one v one there. I didn't know if you had a uh, like an actual thought between those guys, but you're right that they were pretty appropriately priced. I, I mean, most people yesterday on the slate were pretty appropriately priced. There was nobody that I had that was over 50% smash score T-Val. So, I, I mean, I, th I thought the slate yesterday, that's why I went mid-range because I just, I didn't see a way, I didn't want to play Dennis Smith Jr. I didn't want to play Chris Chioza after Derek, after Tyler Johnson was out. So I played a lot of mid-range guys and you, you said that you went starting scrubs, right? Like you had. Right, right. Yeah, I did horribly. Yeah. <laughs> weird, weird slate, man. And that, that kind of thing, like, it's hard to look back at that and, and try to figure out somebody posted uh, for FanDuel. And I, I mean, FanDuel screenshots, I kind of take a, a grain of salt with that because you can play whoever you want on FanDuel anyway. But um, it, it was a lot of guys who were like 40% owned and then guys that were like 3% owned that I, I never even would consider like Darius Garland. The hell was Darius Garland last night? Just weird stuff. Man. No, I think Garland's like okay. What was wrong with him? I, I didn't like him. Okay, he projected okay. He projected like there weren't that many, they weren't screaming values, so it's like everyone's efficiently priced, especially on DraftKings. It's like okay, you can build the tunnel lineups. You don't yeah. like any of them. You like you're like you're building lineups, and like there's no there's no way for me to like any lineup. And so it's like okay, everyone's in the same boat as me. Yeah, Max Very Coach bad. one in the YouTube chat uh, talking about the historical slates, which we do have on. Roto grinders, like we could go, I could show you. If you have lineup HQ, if you have premium, you can click on the date and you go back in time. Go back in time to Sunday the 21st. And it will have the actual fantasy points. 
that are in here, right? So you could sort by fantasy points, what we had, RG had him projected, right? And you could build, you could find, you know, the optimal from there. So if I clear this, let's see, let me get rid of my locks. So if I were to like run what the optimal yesterday, the best possible lineup you could have made on DraftKings was Saban Lee, Halliburton, Jeffries, Aminu, Allen, Trey Young, Middleton, and Carl Anthony Towns. I never get to that. Right, of course not. Like, that's <laughs> not like, no, there's, there's no way I get to. Yeah, but most people don't get to that either. 385.75. But uh, he's asking about the ownership. We're working. I believe the lineup HQ team is working on a way to also get ownership in here. But remember, like, if we get actual ownership, we have to pull it from some contest. So most likely it would have to be like whatever the large field contest is, right? Because ever obviously ownership is different from contest to contest. So I think it just comes down to like figuring out how to do that. Because really the more, the more thing that we're, we're caring about is just getting the actual fantasy points. So if you wanted to go back and, you know, test builds out and go, well, I could switch from actual fantasy points I can't even switch from that and then upload. I can't even upload from there. So now you have to use actual fantasy points. Tragic. Right. So you go, well, I had these exposures and whatever. Could I have gotten to that lineup? Could I have gotten to the winning lineup? Using and experimenting like that. So if you wanted to, it's available to you. Lineup HQ, Roto Grinders Premium. Click on the link in the description for $10 off your first month. I do want to point out that sometimes it's not a good idea to like try super hard to rebuild the winning lineup. Because if you, if you adjusted your process to build the lineup from last night, that that's scary, man. That's scary for like your future prospects. Cause there's some, there's some slates where like good players just would never have landed on that. Like you would never have landed on that journey. In, in like, in like 600 lineups, you wouldn't have had the winning lineup last night. No, of course not. And so like in 3000 lineups I wouldn't have had. Your process is is pretty good too. Like you are a very winning player. And so I I think that is something um overfitting if you're overfitting not only like your your regular process but also your mental models of being like, "Oh, well I definitely should have considered Aminu last night." I you shouldn't have. Um but there's there's so many people that look at the winning lineup and and try to come back from that and that's why you and I always preach go to results database and look at what good players did. Don't look at the winning lineup. Like you, you should you have no reason to go look at what won. You should go look at the people who play and do this for a living and have a positive ROI over long term and not just look at oh I should have played Alpha Rock Minu last night. That that doesn't really do you much good. Right, it just says that oh I guess I need to bang my head against the keyboards to select players every night. <laughs> I hope I get lucky. I mean, like that, that is what it is. Uh, in the YouTube chat, uh, Tim Yang asks, is it smart to make a tournament lineup and put it in all my cash games? That way I can be first in my cash. And if I win, I win all of them. That, that's, that's the, that's the opposite way of thinking. Like, no, you, you, you play cash lineups in cash games. You play tournament lineups in tournaments. Cash games are meant for median lineups. You don't want to win. Winning a double up gets you the same amount of money as coming in 45th place, right? I mean, like, you don't have to win your double ups. It's a waste to win your double. And in fact, you probably screwed up if you won your double ups, right? If you come in first and then you, you more yeah. likely, I want to come in right in the middle. The that's, old that's, adage of putting your cash game lineup in your GPP is just in case you land on the nuts. Like, you're probably not building the right cash lineups. If you no, but he knows this guy's asking the reverse. I well, I know, I know, but like the reverse makes no late. sense. At least the cat, okay. You want to play the you want to throw your cash lineup into some 150 entry, you know, like 100, field, oh, that's, you know, like, that's like all field yeah. stuff. Okay, no, okay, no. fine. I can get that. Right? But not a 15. Don't do that. No, not the large field stuff, probably not. And then you don't do the reverse, you definitely don't the reverse. <laughs> Never do the reverse. Don't, right, don't play. Don't play the two percent owned uh freaking Facundo Cabazo in your cash game lineup, hoping to bank. You don't win anything extra for banking in your in your cash games. It, it, if you're playing like a quad up, or if you're playing like a, a three man, then you have to get a little bit different sometimes. But not you're not trying to win cash games. 
right? You're, you're just trying to beat the majority of the contest so that you can beat out the rake and, and pull in your, your seven to nine percent over the accrue of the year. Uh, you're, you're not trying to win them. Don't, don't play GPP lines in cash. Free copyright music asks that, that I'm assuming that's not his real name. Uh, will you think about making a video going through your entire process for a GPP lineup, ultimately ending up with one, two, or several lineups so we can see the result you come up with? I do that in the pre I've done that in premium videos, but behind behind the behind the paywall, I've done I've explained stuff. I've done it in the how I won whatever videos, right? I mean I I explain the process even this show like. It's not that it's, it's really not that complicated. It's just a matter of you can't do anything until like a half an hour before lock. So like, I'm not, there's nothing for me to do now. That's why I say based on the current assessment that I'm looking at it through the projections that aren't even updated or manually adjusted at all, that uh, you're probably paying up at point guard and paying down a small at, at power forward and small forward. And then next thing you know, some guard value and some pat, like there's some value opens up and like the whole thing changes. Right, well, John Wall's also out. It's all, looks like we're jamming in all the rockets again, right? And then, except for PJ Tucker, maybe you like, right? Uh, Lillard's out. Okay, now, 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 what? I mean, anything could happen. The coaches are lying all the time. We never know. So it's kind of hard for me to have that type of type of process video like at the time because. Like when the hell am I doing it? I'm doing, I'm doing it for, I'm doing it for my, I'm going to build five lineups tonight for GPP and I'm going to be doing it at, at it's at eight o'clock slate. I'll be doing it at seven 30, right? I'll be looking through results. I'll be looking through lineup HQ, pressing some buttons. Remember I'm focusing more on small field play. So I'm not building like multi-entry builds as much, right? If I'm playing a hundred lineups, yeah, sure. Yeah. Then, then I'm building in lineup HQ. But because I could visualize the constructions, I don't need to, I don't need to necessarily go, you know, click there and take this guy out. Like the stuff that I do show, it's more for an explanatory purposes. I could, I could look and go, this line, I know this lineup projects well, and I know that I have enough leverage. And I could, I could just, I could tell. This, it's like I'm playing for these guys that project well, and this guy here, and flipping that construction, and this guy's going to be three percent owned. I'm good. There you go lock it all in and then go to the next lap and go, okay, well, I'm going to take a different approach. I'm going to flip this way and do, 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 okay, that should work. Okay, done. Go to the next one. And not that complicated. I think people over, I, James, I, I think we even say in, in the course that the more you understand the concept that, that you really grasp the game theory concepts, playing DFS almost becomes simpler. Oh yeah. Like people tend to overthink, well, do I do this and this, and there's so many options or whatever. It's like a lot of game theory is removing the things that really don't matter much and focusing on the two or three things for that slate, that sport, that instance that matter the most on this slate. It could be James, the thing that matter, the decision that matters the most on this slate could be whether or not you play PJ Duck. And it, it probably will be. Right. If that's that <laughs> right, if that's what matters the most, then spend most of your time on what matters the most. Mm -hmm. On little fringe things or how many of this, how much, how many should I have 38 players in my pool? Should I have 34 players? It doesn't it's likely not gonna matter. These those types of things say maybe over the course of a year, you're 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 leaking away 0.2% ROI by doing something not as efficient or some or something like that. But like, if you don't grasp, like if you don't grasp projection, correlation and leverage, like you're dead. Like it's just like, in the, you have no, then now, yeah, now you just, now you're just banging your head against the keyboard and you have Alpha Rukaminu and whoever in your, in your lineup. He did start at least James. It's not stupid. And Aminu at least started, right? I, uh, <laughs> yeah. What was that winning lineup? I'm going to bring that up on results DB right now. I I had him projected for 12 fantasy points. So Oh, it was I, RBX that won. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> oh, Facundo Campazzo and Alfa Rucaminu. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But he started for 3K. I can't I can't I can't be upset about that. Yeah, I mean, he had a he had a T-ball 17%. 
he, he's basically the same play as Malik Monk, and I was trashing Malik Monk earlier. So right, there you go. Right, I just I I don't I I likely never make this lineup, but and that's okay because there's slate today. Right, I right exactly right. This is slate today. People get people get bogged down and think that they need to win every slate, and I I am here to tell you that no, you uh you are going to win hopefully hopefully a couple slates a year. Right, that's all you right max right yeah you lose 90 so, of the time i'm perfectly fine yep. and if rb and rb especially rbx anytime i see rbx win and it's some weird lineup i just go like i'm just never i'm just that dude i just i just i'm just never gonna get that dude well i was i was praising um big t the other day after he had like that 120 whatever win on, on fanduel i was praising him because like that dude he takes stands and like he he doesn't have any any shame in the stance he takes and like when he hits he hits big and that's great like that and when he doesn't he loses big also so like exactly there's gonna be swings so it's not all screenshots and rainbows but all you have to do is win big once or twice a year and you're way positive for the year so yeah yeah if a if a player like big t or a player like you or a player like me hits four times a year like positive (laughs) roi year there you go that's all that's all you need. And, and right, like, but I mean, what, but I mean, do you even need that anymore with top shots? <laughs> do you even no, need man. that anymore? Everybody's a millionaire on top shots, dude. Right, apparently, 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 top shots is, 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 is like, you know how the joke is that no one loses at NBA DFS? Yeah. Apparently, no one loses, loses at NBA top shots. And, and everybody can eventually, you know, in 2024, when you can withdraw your money, you know, like you'll have millions of dollars. Don't right, when possibly that you could possibly get your fake money out of, out of whatever the, whatever that is. Right, of course. Yeah. I get it. Perfect. Perfectly fine. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. C. Carter says, since listening to Blender over the month, I've won small field tourneys for learning, for learning, and took down three on Yahoo so far and one on DK. And nice. binge watch his videos. Yes. Binge watch my videos and get the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15 hour audio masterclass. The entire game theory of DFS for any sport. It's not just NBA, anything. The chapters like, you know, game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology. Like it's meant for you could play PGA, LOL. It doesn't matter. It's me and James. Right, me, me and James. It's 15 hours of audio. It's a good structured education. If you don't understand some of these concepts, or you want to get better, and this is this is the this is the course that teaches you how to fish. Right, we're not giving you fish. We're teaching you how to fish, and then you can fish for yourself. So pick that up. Uh, I mean, obviously, I answer any questions you want here. James is on every Monday on the pregame show. We talk about concepts. You can, if you don't want to buy it, don't buy it. Like you could get everything you want out of, out of, out of my show, out of his shows. But if, if you want a reference guide in your pocket, play on the phone, play on any podcast player, do whatever you want with, go pick it up. So theoryofdfs.com. And, uh, and, and James, you have, uh, you have stuff going on at, uh, at pay dirt, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So you can find all my stuff over at paydirt.ghost.io. Um, I am currently trying to continue working through the NBA optimizer, which is still in beta form, but it's come a long way, which is cool. Hopefully done for the end of the year. Um, League of Legends starting back up for full slates, Counter-Strike every night. Call of Duty is back, have baseball right around the corner. So um, really, really excited about continuing to build for, for subscribers over at Paydirt. And there's plenty of free tools over there too. The, the historical ranges tool lets you search through um, players and teams and stuff like that and see what their their medians and their standard deviations are and there's a defensive efficiency metrics tool which shows you which teams give up the most to other teams like it, it's a cool place to be so go check it out okay you could also follow james paydirt underscore dfs on twitter i'm blender at blender hd on twitter and uh who knows what's gonna happen tonight but check out uh, grinders live Hopefully we don't have to play PJ Tucker, but I, I have a sneaking suspicion we're going to be playing TPJ Tucker tonight. So uh, hopefully he doesn't. It may be one of those where power forward ends up being a snowflake position anyway. So PJ Tucker getting there, getting there for like eighteen, like 
Okay, great. I got 18 from PJ Tucker. And then, and, or, or if you fade him, he goes for 30. It's, 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 it's always one of those things, right? You it play him works. at six. And then if you fade him, it's 30, right? I just, I just hope we get, we get some news or something where we don't have to play PJ Tucker. So, uh, so good luck to everyone playing PJ Tucker tonight. And we'll talk, we'll talk about the constructions uh, tomorrow. Like I do every weekday, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time here on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. Thank you.